162 games of baseball a season can feel like a grind to watch, but you can put the excitement back into each and every game with my bookie. Run lines, money lines, props galore. Nobody gives you more opportunities to win than my bookie. Getting started is simple. Deposit $300 and play with $200 instantly. Just use promo code ZABE to claim a MyBookie deposit bonus. Whether you're a diehard fan or a newcomer to the sport, there's never been a better time to join the MyBookie family. Go ahead and sign up today using promo code ZABE to secure your first deposit bonus up to $1,000 with MyBookie. Whatever you put in, they'll meet halfway all the way up to $1,000. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.com. You know, guys, when you get to be our age, finding the motivation to get back in shape can be hard. It's just plain tough to find a routine and to stick with it. Good news. FitBod is a fitness app that is anything but routine. It tailors your workouts to fit your life, your goals, your gear, and even your schedule, so you can avoid burnout. And FitBod helps keep up your momentum by mixing in different exercises, reps, supersets, and circuits. Best yet, FitBod has over 1,000 demonstration videos, so you can learn the right way to do each exercise. It's time to ditch the boring routines and kickstart your fitness journey. Add FitBod to your workout essentials. Join today to get your personalized workout plan. Get 25% off your subscription or try the app for free at fitbod.me slash zabe. That's F-I-T-B-O-D dot M-E slash zabe. Your Vegas recap podcast is finally ready to go. I know, I'm a little bit late. By the way, if you don't care about Vegas, if you don't know Vegas, if you don't go to Vegas, if you don't like Vegas, if you think it's a Sodom and Gomorrah on the modern landscape, and you're not wrong, then skip and delete. If, however, you are a fan of Vegas, as I am, and a frequent visitor to Vegas like I was last weekend, If you are fascinated by the evolution of cities and curious about innovation, architecture, entertainment, and the human condition, well then, let's pull up an ear and let's go. The great Sheryl Crow with Leaving Las Vegas from 2009. All right, you know I got back with my pops uh, for about four days. Uh, Left Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening, uh, from Washington Dulles International Airport on United Airlines direct flight. Um, It was, oh, I don't know, 440 per person one way. So the round trip, and we came home on American to National because my parents' house is kind of in between the two airports, so it didn't matter. Mom just dropped us off, and Mom picked us up. So that was an easy way to go, and it was about eight fifty or so plus taxes, tags, title, you name it, round trip, which is high. Although when people say, God, prices are so high for airfare, I say, well, what do you want to pay for a flight across the country and back safely with the greatest aviation safety record in the world that we have had in any time in our lives? What, what do you want to pay? 
people usually go, well, I'm just not eight hundred dollars. And I say, okay, how about five hundred? Well, yeah, I mean, usually the number comes down to four hundred. I think people don't want to pay more than four hundred dollars ever for the rest of their lives to fly across the country and back. But anyway, I didn't mind the price of the flight. I thought it was reasonable given the fact that, you know, oil is sky high and gas prices are sky high, jet fuel sky high, so whatever. So we went out on Friday or Thursday afternoon, 5 o'clock, got in about 8.30, got checked into the hotel, the Palazzo, more on that in a bit, and then spent all day Friday and all day Saturday gambling, going around town, doing various things, having dinners, having a grand time, a grandfather-son affair. And then we had a one o'clock flight home on American to National. Those are the two airlines. Basically, American works out of National, United works out of Dulles, and they've got a handful of nonstop flights, which I would never take at this point a connecting flight ever again to or from Vegas, even though I did once. I once slept on the floor for three hours in the Atlanta airport on the rock-hard carpeting, waiting for an AirTran connection. Not fun. Anyway, I digress. So, perfect length of weekend, in my opinion. It was two full days, sun up to sundown and deep into the night, and a comfortable get there and a comfortable get home. You know, you take these red eyes home, It's not worth it. It just punishes you. You get up at 7 a.m. to get the early flight home. Well, congratulations. You're now home in time to go back to your mundane, boring life at 1 o'clock on a Sunday. That's not fun either. And because you have to be up so early on that departure date, it creeps into your mindset on the night before. And you're like, well, I can't really drink anymore. I've got to wake up. I can stay out to maybe 10 o'clock. I got to get up at five, like maybe midnight. So I think it was a perfect departure time and get home time as well. Now, having said that, uh, we, we were there for four days and I have some observations. So let me give them to you. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven major points to make with sub points along the way. So let's get to it. Number one, Vegas is unstoppable. There's not many places in the world in which you can get people to come voluntarily, lose money hand over fist, and then say, I can't wait to come back next time. Think about that. My dad actually asked the question as he was energized by being out there for the first time since 2015. He was like, where else can you get this kind of excitement and this scene and this vibe, Stephen? And I say, I don't think anywhere. Certainly not Atlantic City. A depressing, bad weather, crime-ridden, terrible non-facsimile of Vegas. Yes, there's casinos around the country now. Some of them are pretty nice. It's not Vegas. I think I said, well, maybe Macau. I heard Macau was hopping. But holy shit, that's on the other side of the globe. Many places in the world, at some point, cease being a thing. The tides go out, fashions change, people's appetites are different, and it's like, yeah, Vegas, nobody goes to Vegas anymore. Been there, done that. Not Las Vegas. Despite setbacks and downturns and bankruptcies and changing consumer tastes and competitors 
and marketing campaigns that swing wildly from one side to the other. Remember what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. They decided, hey, uh, you know what? <laughs> That's kind of a uh, it's a bad marketing slogan because husbands have wives, boyfriends have girlfriends. And when they say, hey, I want to go with the boys out to Vegas, and your slogan is what happens out here stays out here, which means it can't be good, not a good marketing idea. So they tweaked that to say what happens in Vegas only happens in Vegas. It's more inclusive. It's a pretty creative twist. I remember a period when they were building hotels like the Luxor and uh, the Excalibur and New York, New York, in which Vegas is like, We're going to be a family destination. Bring the kids. We got roller coasters. We got rides. And you would see an inordinate amount of strollers on the Vegas Strip, which you still see some now, but not nearly as many. And there is no bigger buzzkill than seeing a child, an infant in a stroller or in a little, what do you call them, bassinet? I could be a stroller, whatever. Little little strollers. You're like, oh, God. Even though they're not your kids, and even though you don't have to spend one second caring for them, if you're a parent, you know what is entailed with that activity, and it instantly brings you down. But Vegas got off of that whole thing about, well, we're going to be a family place. You know, so be it. Uh, There's still a huge convention place. But some of the bigger conventions don't go there anymore. Like there was a computer convention my dad would go to all the time. They don't do it anymore. It was, I forget what they called it, CNET possibly? Anyway, it's just amazing how Vegas keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming. And it is still coming big time. It's America's and the world's, frankly, adult playground where you can eat, drink, smoke, gamble, now even do cannabis. You can get sex. Technically, it's illegal, but it happens, allegedly. Or a glancing brush up against sex, strip clubs, you name it. Plus, great weather year-round. And yes, it was 105 on Saturday. It was a fabulous 105. Bone dry 105. Didn't even get a glisten Or a tiny little spot of sweat on any of my clothes, 105. Loved it. Warm at night as well. T-shirt, shorts, let's go. It's a hell of a place. My dad was energized to be back. He wants to go again in October. (laughs) I told him, Dad, I don't know about that, man. Because, you know, he, uh, he walks well enough that he can still walk. But he requires a cane and he's got to stop periodically. Okay, fine. You have no idea. Well, you do probably have an idea of just how big the walks are in Vegas. Even if you're going to take a cab from casino to casino, which we did, the walk from the elevators through the casino at the Palazzo down to the taxi stand, I mean, it's several thousand yards, basically. And I couldn't go to him into you know renting one of those scooters because you know my dad is a proud Pollock, stubborn as the day is long. And, you know, it feels like that would be a give up, that you're one step closer to you know where if you start riding around in a scooter. But there was a group of young people, 20-somethings, who had rented like six or seven scooters and were in their bathrobes from the rooms and had headbands on, matching headbands and sunglasses, and were just rolling around like a, like a pack of knuckleheads on their scooters. It was kind of funny. I liked it as a shtick. 
I hope it was not insulting to the hope that somebody who needed a scooter wasn't told, yeah, we're, we rented them all out. <laughs> There's a group of young people who can walk who aren't using them. And I was like, dad, look at them. They don't give a shit. They're 20 and they're just doing this as a lark and they're on a scooter. You've got a cane. You're 83. Let's get one for you. Ah, you know, uh, Stephen, I, I don't know. Okay, dad, we'll just slug it through the uh, casino. But anyway, it's a hell of a place, and you know these people go there, and money gets siphoned—I mean, siphoned—out of their wallets, and they come back, and they're almost happy to watch it go. True story. At the blackjack table I was playing at at the D downtown, I sat there, and a guy comes to sit next to me with his wife. A, very dapper-looking, older, 70-something African-American man with a resplendent red suit and a matching red fedora. And as he's getting his money out to buy into the game, he volunteers to me with a chuckle. Can you believe it? I forgot my razor and my shaving cream. I might just have to not shave all weekend while I'm here. And I'm thinking, man, you were so excited to go to Vegas. You forgot your shaving cream and your razor. So he proceeds to buy in, and he starts out not good. But at one point, and I swear to God he said this, I'm not making this up. He says, man, you can't beat this. No better place in the world to be than right here. I'm like, all right. And then he said to the dealer, who also happened to be African-American or black, I don't know if she was from America, but whatever, he says to her, and I quote, better than picking cotton, huh? record scratch my eyes got as big as saucers i was like jim halpert doing a stare into the camera on the office <laughs> like what and i tried to i wanted to chuckle but then i'm like is chuckling at that racist i mean thank god you know i didn't say that i would never say that imagine if he's losing having a hard time and i just nudge him you know with my elbow hey it's better than picking cotton oh my god that may be an expression. Though. I'll have to ask Jay whether or not that's sort of an inside joke amongst his people. But he was there and he was happy and he got fleeced like $300 in the span of like 20 minutes. It was terrible, but I bet you he had a great time. There's new buildings going up still. Resorts World is all the rage. It's down on the uh, it's up on the north end of the strip right about a couple blocks after the nice casino's end, which would be the win and the Encore, which is where we were next to the Palazzo and the Venetian. And before the Strip gets sketchy for a while and kind of dangerous before it turns into downtown, which is just dated and bargain basement and, you know, kind of gritty. And the resorts world is spectacular. I was there on Saturday night with my buddy Kevin, who runs in Fast Company and had some interesting guys that I met. I'll tell you more about that in a second. And it's an incredible property. And they're building another high-rise tower called the Fountain Bleu. And it's not quite done yet. And every cabbie we talked to said that it has had financial troubles. It's further north, uh, deeper into the sketchier area. And I thought, man, there are people, there are institutions, there are billionaires betting big that these new properties are going to make it. So that's interesting. The Mirage is going to be converted into the Hard Rock. What? The Hard Rock, by the way, is now owned by Virgin and Richard Branson, his empire of businesses. 
And of course, I remember when it was the coolest place in town. We had Zay Vegas is there. At least two, maybe three, maybe four. Not quite sure. But anyway, I talked to the pit boss at the Virgin because my dad found, oh, there's some good tables here, Stephen. Let's go. He, he looks it up in his blackjack newsletter. It said Mohegan Sun, good tables, blah, blah, blah. It's got three to two blackjack, uh, late surrender, whatever the rules were. He's like, let's go to the Mohegan Sun. I'm like, okay, fine. So we get in the cab, give him the address, give him the name of Mohegan Sun, and he takes us to the Hard Rock. And I'm like, this is the Hard Oh, wait a minute. No, it's not the Hard Rock. It's the Virgin now. Wait a minute. Where's Mohegan Sun? Well, lo and behold, Virgin and Richard Branson didn't want to go through all the hoops and jump around and try to get a casino license and get approved because it's going to take too long, cost money. And, you know, it's almost like in the movie casino where it's like, you people who come here, you're not from our town. Who knows if they would have had an anti-British bias in giving out a coveted casino license. But basically, Branson and Virgin said, fine, we'll run the hotel. Mohegan Sun, you already have a license. You run the casino part. And apparently, according to the pit boss, Hilton has a finger in the property as well. So it's a three-owner property. I said, wow, interesting. So I said, why are they going to change the Mirage, which was pretty much the first new school, high, what's the word? Not high tech per se. This was 1988, but it was like the new breed of wow casinos. That was built in the late 80s. Whereas the casinos before that, yeah, they were functional. It's a hotel. They had a pool and they had a casino, but it wasn't like the flash. The mirage put the sizzle of modern Vegas into Vegas with its gleaming gold facade and the volcano that went off out front and the waterfalls. It was ambitious like nothing else. And they're going to strip it to make it a hard rock? I don't know. Peter Morton, who founded Hard Rock and the casinos and the chains, he's doing quite well. He sold the property of Virgin, apparently, according to the pit boss, for a lot of money. Couldn't say no, but then turned around and bought the Mirage and is going to strip that. I'm a little bit sad about that because, you know, the Mirage holds a place in my heart. Seeing it for the first time when I was a junior in college at UCSB, the Harvard of the West. But, okay, whatever. I also, as I went into the Mirage and looked around, I'm like, man, it's going to cost a shitload of money. Even if you keep the main towers in place, and even if you bulldoze the volcano and put up a giant guitar, it's like all that money, uh, you know, just to rehab it and then kind of start over. But hey, he's the billionaire. So I'm going to trust that he's got a vision that will probably be great. The Palms is now under uh, Native American control. I don't know if it's also Mohegan Sun or not. It was depressing being there. Now, granted, we're in the middle of the day on a Friday, so it wasn't really hopping. But I remember when the Palms was the hottest place off of the Strip. When the Maloof brothers, who who were owners of the Sacramento Kings at the time, were famously chronicled in a magazine article about having, you know, butlers, lovely female butlers, wake them up gently as they lived in the penthouse of the Palms Casino. And I remember the Maloofs being in the Katy Perry video, waking up in Vegas. I mean, they were hot. The Palms was a cool place. The Palms was a place you're like, okay, it's off the strip. It's a pain in the ass. You can't walk there. Got to take a cab, but let's go because it's happening. Now, ugh, not happening. 
There's a new Globe multimedia theater being built by Steve Wynn behind the Wynn. It's this giant geodome, some just a ball with girders around it. And apparently it's going to be some multimedia, immersive, uh, virtual reality. I don't know what it's going to be. I would be willing to bet it'll be fucking spectacular. And I just kind of noticed in Vegas and appreciated the ambition of the scale and the scope and the attention to detail and how clean the casinos were, relatively speaking, at least the good ones for sure. You know, Bellagio, Wynn, Paris, Caesars, etc. Relatively clean given how many drunk, unwashed assholes, including me, were roaming around in there. Puking, dropping stuff, having their cigarettes fall on the floor. And the architecture, just all the details. Like just in the Bellagio alone, the sort of the, the, the what am I looking for? The, the carport when you come in, it's a covered area. So you're not in the sun. You're really not going to get rained on ever in Vegas for the most part. But it just to shade you as you get out of your car and you arrive in grand style. I'm looking up at that entranceway. And how ornate and detailed and meticulous it was with every little thing underneath it. And I'm like, damn, this place is amazing. And the marble floors and all the accoutrements. I mean, everything. It's And, you know, the Bellagio is nice. You could get a room, depending on the time of year and depending on the day of the week, that is available to the common man. Pretty cool stuff. Point number two. The quality time with my dad was precious. And I'm so glad we did this. You know, my dad took me to Vegas right after I graduated from UCSB. It's me and him and my brother Jimmy. And I remember at the time, I was not really happy about it because I had some friends from UCSB who were also in Vegas after graduation that I wanted to hang out with. But my dad kind of forced me to hang out with him and my brother and to, you know, force me to go to this, you know, typical Vegas show with the showgirls and the big feathers on the head, the pasties on the boobies and la, 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 la. And I'm 22 years old thinking, oh God, this is so fucking lame. I just want to be with my friends. I just want to be with my friends. I just want to be with my friends. And here I am many years down the road on the other side of the circle, and I'm like, thank God I'm here with my dad. Like I said, he does not walk that briskly. I'm going to try to goad him into using some sort of non-ambulatory transportation if, God willing, we go back next year in the summer, which I would do. I, I can't go back in October. I'm too busy. But next summer, fuck yeah, I'll do it again. God willing. You know, we're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't help you just hire faster. 93% of employers agree. Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. This according to a recent Indeed survey. 
Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Zabe. Just go to Indeed.com slash Zabe right now and support the show by saying you heard about it right here on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Zabe. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, But my dad, of course, being a blackjack aficionado, gets the Stanford Wong Blackjack Newsletter, which is a service for 20 bucks a month or whatever, in which they send you out a newsletter saying, here's every table at every casino in the country, literally. And they'll tell you what the rules are, what's changed, how many uh, decks they're using in the shoe, and they calculates a advantage point value for the house. Right there. It's crazy. Now, it's not always the most accurate because sometimes the scouts don't do a good job. There's, as you can imagine, a bazillion tables to go check. Like, is table BJ15 in the Mirage still a double deck or not? And they change them all the time on a whim. They don't have to consult with Stanford Wong to go, is it okay to change this? So it's a scouting service because my dad is that much into blackjack. How good is he? He's good. He's good. He knows all the strategies. He does some very aggressive double downs that I normally wouldn't do. And he seems to have an ESP about him, an instinct, or he's just lucky as shit. I don't know, which was at times kind of freaky. Now, as good as my dad is, he's not as good as he thinks. And I caught him fudging on, well, you know, Stephen, I was up $462.17 over there at that last session, and I, I did lose. And I'm like, okay, that's an oddly specific number, Dad. Are you sure about that? And then I recalled sitting next to him watching him go to his wallet, and I'm like, well, actually, hold on a second. But that's okay. He's good. He's not as good as he thinks. He fancies himself a card counter. I didn't see him counting cards once. He never varied his bet in any significant fashion that I could tell. And he was never close to being run out of the casino with the dealers going, sir, your action is too strong for us. Here's a dinner and a show. You can go enjoy yourself doing this. Which, by the way, the casinos have every right to do. So anyhow, his newsletter said, let's go to the Mohegan Sun. Middle of the day, the old hard rock. Okay, fine. We go there, and of course, they do have a couple tables that are three to two blackjack payout versus six to five, which is pretty much the standard. I'd say most tables are six to five. There's only about 10% or maybe less of three to two payouts for blackjack, which I will discuss in a minute. And we sit down, and there is a lovely-looking 40-something-year-old woman with a beautiful smile and a good attitude dealing, which was great. Turns out she's from Azerbaijan because she had an accent. I said, okay. After a couple of hands, I go, all right, it's time to play guess the accent, which is always good with dealers. And I would have never guessed. I would have run out of quarters of my roll of quarters of guessing <laughs> where are you from, Azerbaijan. Anyway, uh, my dad, <laughs> here's the hand of the weekend. Dealers got a shit card. I think it was a four, whatever. I've got an 11, so I double down. And by the way, I always take my double downs when allowed down and dirty. I want it down. I like it down. I want to see if the dealer busts first. And then if they don't, there's that suspense of, well, I could still have one. What do I got? Take my, you know, double down card down. My dad has a split hand. I think it was a couple sevens. I'm not sure. He splits them. Smart move. And then hits to a couple of shit hands of his own, a four or five, six, whatever. I forget. 
He then passes on hitting the first, which was the recommended play, given what the dealer was showing. But on the second split hand, he pauses and he's like, mm, ah, you know what? I think I need to hit. And he draws a hit. I'm like in slow motion going, oh, dad, what are you doing? Boom, hits a seven to tighten up to a 21 on his second hand only. Again, where was this in the book? Does Stanford Wong recommend this? I doubt it. What kind of voodoo ESP do you got? Well, do I need to finish the story on what happened from there? Of course. He took the seven that would have flushed up the dealer to 21. Instead, the dealer got a 10. We busted, and I just <laughs> erupt like, yeah, dad, way to go, way to go. And I'm pumping his fist and everything, and it was great. And uh, the dealer was, was laughing and smiling. And after the hand, she says, you know, I really love your interactions. They're very funny. It's nice to see. And I said, thank you. Appreciate that. I was cracking her up pretty good with some of the things I was saying to dad. Like, there was a hand in which he won, I lost, and I kind of looked sad, and she looked at me, and I said, well, you know what? All this money's coming back to me anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But anyway, um, another guy was at the table, said outright, you know, I'm glad you could be here enjoying this with your dad. I wish I could still do that myself. And I'm like, damn. So after my moment of, you know, okay, is is it getting musty in here? Is it getting dirty, dusty? After my quick moment of that, I pivoted to say, well, you weren't in the room this morning when we were debating who was paying for the room service. So it's not all cotton candy and sunshine, this trip, which again made the dealer laugh. And my dad had a laugh because he's got a great sense of humor and away we went. Point number three, three to two versus six to five. What the fuck does it matter? I know statistically it matters a lot. If a payout of three to two on a blackjack, which used to be the standard. I don't even know when they introduced six to five payouts on blackjack. It was probably 20, 25, 30 years ago. Once upon a time, though, the game was standard, three to two payout on blackjacks. They changed it to six to five. Now, I worked on this math today for several hours. I think I've got it right. Three to two at a $25 table nets you 37.50. Three to or six to five on a twenty-five dollar table nets you thirty dollars. So it's a difference of seven dollars and fifty cents. You're getting cheated on the six to five table every time you get a blackjack. Well, that that could be significant. Statistically, it is significant according to all the books and Stanford Wong's blackjack newsletter. However, doesn't fucking matter if you don't get any blackjacks. And I can assure you, I have sat at blackjack tables for quite some time. And not gotten a blackjack for a long stretch of time. As others at the table are getting them, as the dealer is getting them, it happens. So the thing about that advantage for the house, I get it. But I think it's a bit overrated when it comes to the player who's not planning on sitting there with a huge bankroll, counting cards, grinding away for an hour or longer because... It's a long-run advantage, right? I mean, sure, you sit down for 30 minutes, an hour. You may not get very many blackjacks, but they will because of basic chances, statistical chances. The odds are they'll come to you eventually. But you got to be there that long. If you get wiped out with your initial buy-in or bored or have to go, you would lose 
that long run advantage. So I was at this, <laughs> we go to the Mirage for a three to two game and we find it, but it's $25 when every other game is $15. Now I like $15, not 25. And I know you're like, you pussy. I bet 50 a hand. What's wrong with you? Oh, I know. I know many of you, as I walk around the casino, I look at guys, I sort of squint my eyes and I go, that fucker cannot have more money in the bank than me. Why is he playing for that much money? What is he? The answer is he doesn't, and that's why he doesn't have much money. He likes to gamble it away. Anyway, I don't like playing $25 games, but I said, okay, I'll do it. Sit down with that. Oh, by the way, the table was empty. Walking into an ice cold, totally empty table. <laughs> you better have some balls to do that, my friend. So we sit down. I plunk down $300, which is more than normal. I normally buy in at a $15 table for maybe $100, $200 at most. Kind of nervous because, like I said, it's a little deep water for me. And I proceed to get housed. I mean, it was a joke. I get two blackjacks in the first 10 hands. And both of them were rejected Dikembe Mutombo style by the dealer's own blackjack. No, no, no. And it was a blackjack with the ace up, although they check them both now, so it doesn't matter. I couldn't even get even money, which I used to believe. I used to remember playing blackjack where you could get even money on a blackjack if the dealer was not showing an ace up before they got the little peeker holes that they now check with all the time. I think that's another rule change they've put in that makes it more advantageous for the house. But I would used to, I used to, I distinctly remember taking even money on blackjacks all day, every day. Didn't even get the chance to do this. I then get a steady stream of nothing but straight shit. 14s, 15s, 16s, and every variety. The dealer then proceeds to get not one, not two, but three more blackjacks in the span of like 20 minutes. And I'm like, you've Got to be kidding me. I finally, as I'm dwindling down my stack, get a very advantageous split situation. And of course, the dealer backdoor beats me with like a five-card hand. I'm telling you, I know the game of blackjack is random, but it felt rigged. It literally felt as rigged as a carnival game on your way to Oklahoma City. Fleeced and bagged. Crap seven, clear the line, out in 32 minutes. I declared my retirement from blackjack that very moment. But, Jim, like Jim Palmer did for the Orioles, I unretired, disastrously so, on a game downtown called Lucky Cats, which should be called Sucker Cats. Because here's how Sucker Cats works. It was a $5 table, which looked attractive to me. I'm like, ooh, only five. Okay, I guess I can unretire. But it had a hook. You had to put $2 on a bonus circle, mandatory every hand. What do you get for that $2? Well, if you get a blackjack, then you get to spin the electronic wheel next to the dealer that gives out payouts of between $30 $30 minimum up to $1,000, which is pretty like, whoa, wow, $1,000. Imagine that. One blackjack, spin the wheel, $1,000. Well, it's an electronic wheel. So they've got it programmed to only dollop out a certain $1,000 one every X number of times, and it almost certainly ain't going to be you. The one guy I was sitting next to, he had three of them, got $30 
every fucking time. So now back to the Lucky Cats thing. If the dealer busts with a 22 and a 22 only, she takes out a little cup of dice, four dice, which have Chinese cats on the dice, shakes them up, puts it on the table, lifts up the lid. If there's four Lucky Cats, whatever you bet, on that hand, gets multiplied by 50. Now we're talking, right? Okay. Lucky cat. What a deal. I asked her how many cats are on each dice, each six-sided die. She said, one. <laughs> now, I don't know what the math is. I can't figure it out, but I still think your odds are pretty poor. So, four cats, 50x. Three cats, 20x. Two cats, 2x your bet, one cat even money because she busted with a 22. No cats, it's a push. (laughs) Do I have to tell you that we had two different cases of the lucky cats coming out and getting no cats either time and then essentially losing, although you push, but you don't win when the dealer busts? Absolute scam of a game. And I fell for it. Luckily, I got up at the $52 loss point of my $100 buy-in and said, okay, you need to really, I mean really retire once and for all. Speaking of losing money, point number four. If I had a strategy for Vegas, it would be simply this. Always win. I know, you're like, what are you talking about? Always win. Just what it says. Always win. Now, the way to always win and this is what's hard, is that when you're up, get up every time. But what if I get up early? I know. Get up. If you always get up when you are winning, you will always win. Are you in Vegas to lose money or win money? Yeah, but to win big, you got to get on a heater. You can't just sit down for 15 minutes and then get up and run away like a bitch. Well, you can Nothing against it. You will look like a bitch. I've done it before. But that's the way to win. I believe, and I tracked all of my sessions betting on various things. I'm pretty sure, except for the night at the Mirage with the $300 wipeout and the Dikembe Mutombo 21s, I believe I was up in every time I sat down to play any of the games I played. And I got up from many of them, and I won. That's my strategy. Always win even if it looks stupid. Now, like I said, here's the problem. The live table games, when you buy in and you're up briefly, you know, like I'll get up being up 20 if I buy in for 100, which (laughs) you're going to laugh and say, what a total bitch move. Oh, yeah? I'm here to win. Always win. But then you got to tell the dealers, okay, can I color up? I know you just gave me the chips. You almost have to make up an excuse. Like you step away from the table, you, you answer your phone, which isn't ringing. You're like, what? What? I got I to meet you? Okay, I'm sorry. I got to go. And then they color you up and you're gone. But that said, the beauty of always win and get up when you're up is that if you play the electronic games, namely slots or video poker or video blackjack or some of the new hybrid video and live blackjack games where they've got kind of a, uh, a, 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 a boat deck of stations where you sit there and you look up at a stage and there might even be a live dealer dealing the hands or spinning the roulette wheel and it does it on a multiple basis. When you press cash out, nobody's looking at you, nobody's judging you, 
And you're not a bitch when you cash out. You're a winner. You're always winning, which I did multiple times. I'm playing more slot machines now, but I have a very narrow parameter of what slots I'll play. I only play 70s game show slots, starting, of course, with the GOAT, Wheel of Fortune. And I only play the original Wheel of Fortune, not all the knockoffs that have been invented since. And I only play the Wheel of Fortune with mechanical wheels. I know, it doesn't matter. They're programmed, whether they're mechanical wheels or they're electronic LEDs. But I, that's, that's what I do. I also found a $25,000 pyramid slot machine. I love that. I, I found a Price is Right slot machine. I play that. Uh, if only they had a Joker's Wild, a Card Sharks slot machine to tell the truth. All the classic game shows. They might even, actually, for that matter. So, I like... My, my, my thing with the uh, slot machines is this. I used to only bet one line. I'd be cheap. If I go to a dollar slot or a 25-cent slot, I'm like, all right, I'm going to make this last. Let me just bet one, bet one bet, one bet, one bet. No. Up your budget. Instead of putting 20 bucks in the slot machine, which used to be my go-to, I'll now put 100 in, thinking, well, it can't go worse than Blackjack at the Mirage, my dad. I'll put 100 in, and I'll bet all five lines at a denomination that is okay for me, that doesn't Totally. Like 25 cent, five lines is a good number. Dollar twenty-five, a spin, boom, 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 boom. You're up, get up, winning money. Beautiful. Plus, the benefit of that is if you're playing all the lines, now you unlock the most bonuses in case you hit a big jackpot. And the thing about slots is that unlike blackjack, unlike craps, there's a chance that for a small buy-in, you could win a shit ton of money if you hit the jackpot. The downside of playing the slots is that they're boring, they're antisocial, it's where the smokers hang out, and, you know, how long can you really do it? I also played what I think is the goat of broke young dudes games, the mechanical ponies. Oh, yeah. I played it at the Bellagio while my dad was playing blackjack, and I will say the New breed mechanical pony games are far more, well, not far more. They're very slick. They've got little video screens that show you what's going on in the race. They've got a little announcer that, you know, announces the horses coming around. The horses move on a magnetic sort of surface so they can go inside and outside. And their little legs, the mechanical legs on these things are are so good looking, so accurate. And I'm trying to discern, okay, what's my strategy? And they show you who has won all the previous races, the payouts. Do you bet the long shots? Do you try to do the Quinella with the two? Um, And I'm looking like, okay, four horse hasn't won in a while. I think we're due. Let me just sit on the four horse. Whatever his odds are, every single time. Boom, hit one. Then I did the same with um, a large payout. I'm like, it's all been 2X, 3X, 4X, 2X, 3X. They're due for a mid-range payout like a 12 or 15 to 1. So I sat on that for a few races, and boom, hit it. Ended up getting up plus $13. Suck on that. Always win. I also got two Captain and Diets for free playing the $1. Maybe $1? even 25 cent mechanical ponies. Number five, douche move, question mark. I met Marcus Banks, former UNLV running rebel and NBA player for nine years for a variety of teams, including Memphis, 
Minnesota, and others. Met him at this lounge at Resorts World called Gatsby's. Uh, my friend Kevin is a guy who runs in Fast Company, and one of the friends he was there with sells Ferraris in town. Another guy was an MMA trainer who had three fighters who just win fights in the last week or so. He was flying high, an impossibly good-looking girlfriend sitting next to him. And then there was Marcus Banks. And then there was me. Oh, and then there was another guy who looked kind of, I don't know, he looked like he was there for some kind of showering convention or some computer convention. Shorts like me, because I'm a dummy, didn't pack pants, so I'm in this nice club wearing shorts, stupid. My slip-on Kizik's shoes. And uh, he was looking kind of schlubby, had a, had a golf shirt on that just had a logo on it of, I think, his company that he invested in. Turns out the guy owns 19 Hilton hotels. Owns several airplanes. Fucking multi, multi-millionaire and totally down to earth. Really cool guy. He was staying at Resorts World in one of their comp suites exclusively reserved for only people that own other Hiltons. <laughs> the whole hotel. <laughs> so he said, here, you want to come see the place? I'm like, yeah, sure. And he took us up there to see it. It was the most spectacular, ballerific suite you've ever seen. 15-foot ceilings. Floor-to-ceiling glass overlooking the strip. Two giant TVs, full bar, three bedrooms. It's crazy. And we were up there, and it was cool because he's, he was so down to earth, which is, you love that about a guy who's a badass, worth a lot of money, didn't know me from Adam, just a tag-along with Kevin, and treated me like a normal peer. We had a great conversation about the strip. He was saying how, see down there, below us, we're going to build an arena there. That's going to be an 80,000-seat arena. I go, eh, 80? Are you sure? And he goes, yeah, T-Mobile is 80. And I go, mm, I don't think so. And he, he said, no, it is. And I go, well, what if T-Mobile's 80, what is Allegiant, where the Raiders play? He goes, mm, I think 45. I then went to Google to go, I don't think that's the case. And I looked it up. I showed him. He had the numbers backwards. And instead of being a dick, like, how dare you, you peon? Correct me on this. He was like, oh, yeah, okay, I got him mixed up. Didn't care. This guy is brilliant. He's rich. He told he's a consultant for the uh, hotel for Hilton because he owns 19 Hiltons, including this brand name called Crockford, which is British, and I've never heard of it, but apparently it's, oh, yes, very upscale hotel. He's a consultant for them, and they were going to build a second tower. And he told him. You do that, you will kill this project. And they're like, what? He said, look, look at this view. And we're standing there in his baller-ass suite looking down the strip. He's like, see this view? This is the view that you're going to get your high rollers, your important people to come and stay at your property. You put that second tower there, just an overflow tower for regular people. Why do you want that? They're not building the tower. They're going to build a stadium down there instead. Probably lure an NBA team with that stadium down there. Wouldn't bet against it. Wouldn't bet against him. But I was like joking. I was like, damn, Adrian, you are, uh, you're powerful enough to stop a tower. He just kind of laughed about that. So anyway, Marcus Banks, nice guy. We talked briefly about the, the glory days of UNLV, and I dropped the fact that, yes, I called games on the radio for UCSB, the last team that could actually beat UNLV during the Jerry Tarkanian heyday. And he said, I grew up here in Vegas, and I wanted to be every one of those guys, from Stacey Ogman to Mo Scurry, to George Ackles, to Anderson Hunt, 
to Larry Johnson, on down the line. I loved every one of them. So happy to play there, he said. But the, the program's in shambles now because they don't really lean on their alumni to come help recruit for them. And we had a good conversation. At the end of the night, and this is where you've got to tell me, was this douchey or smart and efficient? He asks me for my number because he knows that I'm in media, do a radio show and a podcast. And I didn't solicit him. Hey, uh, hey Marcus, can I get your number? He asked me. I said, sure, yeah, boom, here you go. And I sent him a text uh, on the way home in the cab, and I was like, hey, great to meet you. You know, uh, if you ever want, we can talk NBA and whatever when you have a moment. And then I did something. I don't know. You'll have to tell me, is it a douchey thing or not? I was like, what do I send him to let him know who I am? Because he was loud in the club and couldn't really hear, and he doesn't. You're not going to fucking remember. Who cares, right? said I could send him a link to the Zabecast. I could send him a link to my website, Zabe.com. Oh, wait a minute. Send him a link to my Wikipedia page. Now I know what you're going to say. <laughs> you're, you, you're the worst. I did it not like, hey, aren't you impressed by my Wikipedia page? Aren't you amazed I've got a Wikipedia page? It was just literally like, I'm a nobody, but I do at least have a Wikipedia page. It'll give you the basic information, where I'm from, where I went to school, where I've worked before. You know, it's there. It, of course, I haven't read my Wikipedia page, and I'm not sure what kind of stuff is in there that I wouldn't be thrilled about, but so be it. You tell me, douchey or smart and efficient? Less douchey, perhaps, than a business card, which nobody has. Well, not nobody, but very few people have the physical business cards that you grab, you look at, you put in your pocket, you forget about. It goes to the dry cleaners, gets thrown away. Part six, hacks and recommendations. Eating recommendations. Mott 32 at Palazzo. Getting to this restaurant was a bit of a journey because I was telling my dad, look, we should just get the first place that's open here at the Palazzo shops because the restaurants are all scattered. You don't walk real well. Let's just sit down and eat, get it out of the way. So we look at Buddy V's, which is Italian. Yeah, I don't want Italian. Okay, fine. Uh, we walk and walk and walk, can't find restaurants. He's getting tired. I'm like, all right, here is um, um, a pizza place, Grimaldi's. And I'm like, all right, let's go sit down. They're open, bing, bang, boom. He's like, why? Come on. He wanted to go to the Cafe Lux. And I'm like, all right, fine. So we walked all the way down there, get to the Cafe Lux, finally. And they're like, it's a 20-minute wait. And I'm like, oh, okay, 20-minute wait for a cafe? Please. So I walked right next door to this Mott 32, and I go, okay, first dumb question. What kind of food is this? And they said it's Asian fusion. So a combination of Japanese, Chinese, Korean, maybe something else. And I said, okay. I took a quick look at the menu, and I said, all right, I think this will work. And I say, go over to get my dad. I'm like, come on, dad, we're over here. We're sitting down right now. He's like, all right, all right, we'll give it a shot. It was spectacular. The menu was extremely lengthy. It had a wide variety of different Asian foods. And the thing is, it was not cheap. You know, dishes were anywhere from $32 to $82, depending on what you ordered. And normally, I would absolutely choke on that. But you're in Vegas. And when you've just lost $300 at the Mirage at a, quote, good table, because their blackjack pays better, and you don't get to be paid on blackjack because the dealer had her own. You don't really care. Uh, you know, my side of the dinner, we split it 50-50, was like 120. I, I walked out of there absolutely singing a tune because it was mwah, delicious. 
We went to Alexa's at Paris, but not for dinner, for a drink late in the evening, like eight or nine when they were winding down their dinner uh, menu or dinner rush. And we sat outside because they have a patio that really is two feet above and off the strip. And we just sat there and people watched and had a cocktail. I highly recommend that. Looked like a good menu. It's hard to get in there, especially on the uh, patio during peak times, but that was good. I also recommend room service, despite the added cost. Getting breakfast in the morning delivered to your room, I just think it's hard not to beat that. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to stand in line. And you're in your underwear and your socks, or even less, and you're having breakfast. I think it's worth it. couple hacks. Bring mini bottles with you if you like mixed drinks, or get them at CVS, like I did. Captain Diet, or Captain Morgan was 99 cents a mini bottle. Jack was $4 a mini bottle. I quickly said, don't need the Jack. Me and the Captain, let's go. Plus, got a bunch of Diet Cokes. I got an aluminum insulated drinking cup with an aluminum straw. And I said, you're with me, Leather. Let's go. Had it the whole time. And yes, you ask me, am I still the liquor? Of course I am. You know, you're wondering whether uh, I'm still the liquor. No. Guess what? I'm on top of the liquor. I am the monkey in charge of bananas. Bananas. What's my secret? This little device right here. I just take a little blow. And it tells me when it's time for a little top-up. Because when I first got this, I used to ride it around (laughs) 0.20, which is f***ing wasted, 24-7. But now, I leave it at 0.12, which is perfect. It's right in the f***ing slot. Just past the click. That wonderful moment. Just like Julian. I'm sober enough to know what I'm doing, and I'm drunk enough to really enjoy doing it. Oh, look at that. 0.10. Time for a little drinky poo. Cheers, genitals. That uh, bite is from some, uh, I think, Netflix series called Trailer Park Boys or Trailer Park Guys. I got to look it up and watch it. It's pretty funny. Some really skeevy people, but there you go. I'm the monkey in charge of the bananas. My last point, point number seven. With time comes sadness. You know, my dad used to come out to Vegas all the time, and he would roam free for days. He loved the roaming, and he loved the piddling around and stopping here, stopping there, getting breakfast, going to dinner. My mom would send him out, didn't care. He'd be back in a few days. It's great. Now, to be honest, he needs a wingman. He really can't do that on his own. And I get that. I understand that. I was happy to be that wingman. I can't do it twice in a year, though. That's for sure. I got sad seeing the hard rock Gone, because it was the spot of many of our great Zabe Vegas excursions. And having Roy Wood come visit us there and buy a round of Fireball for all of us. Such good times. The Palazzo Sportsbook, the greatest sportsbook ever, Lagasse's, which had a big screen in the middle, a sunken bedding window you could walk right up to, Various tables, TVs, private room. We had several Zabe Vegases there as well. Dark. Dead. Closed. I got photos of me and Andy Poland with Billy Packer and Bobby Knight when they were doing little appearances there. Circa 2010. We did interviews with those guys. 
We got comp suites at the Palazzo in 2010, in part because A, Vegas was down. B, I knew a guy who was doing PR and doing marketing for the Palazzo, and he hooked me up. Old Mike Larragetta, great guy, UCSB grad. He's not there anymore, sadly. The hookups, we never had it so good. I wished I had soaked in the au jus even more back then. Sad to see how sports books have lost their appeal. You know, gambling is everywhere. Phones, internet. It's not like it once was. The sports book used to be the throbbing heartbeat of a casino during big events, especially March Madness. Now, not so much. There's TVs everywhere. There's TVs above blackjack tables when they didn't have that. You don't have to gather in the sports book. A little bit sad about that. Some of the best times. The best times. And as I walked around, I thought, damn it. I really want to stand up Zay Vegas again. We're 0 for 3. Three years down. 2020 pandemic, done. 2021, still not ready. 2020, I had conflicts. Couldn't do it. I'm going to try to get it up and running again. I'm, I don't know what I can do. I don't know who's going to play ball with me. You know? But I'm going to try. Because I think back and I'm like, man, it was kind of crazy how ambitious I was with the promotion and how well we pulled it off. We got people discounted rates at the hotel we were staying at. We did a live podcast one year with a Papa Shot contest, brought Mr. X and Charge with me, booked a party bus, went to the Vegas sign for a group photo, went to a club afterwards. I had t-shirts, coins, prizes as giveaways. Oh, and me and the boys, some 12 of us went golfing every morning at Valley High at 7 a.m. Damn, those were the times. Now I think, I don't know if I can stand this up. I don't know if I can pull it off. I don't know if I've got the energy to do all that like I once did. Like I said, whether it's because my contacts are gone, whether it's because my cachet, for what it's worth, of a nationally syndicated show, Fox Sports Radio, Sporting News Radio, etc., that opens a lot of doors. They think you're a big shot. You're really not. Now it's like, well, what do you do? I do a radio show in Milwaukee. I'm very happy doing it. It's doing great. But yeah, that doesn't tickle some PR people as much as possible. I'm not even sure they want to do promotions now. The rates they're getting in Vegas are so strong. It's crazy. Anyway, it's sad, but I'm glad we had those times. I'm going to try. I swear to God, I am going to try to get Zabe Vegas up and running. One more time. So, with that said, Bright light city gonna set my soul, gonna set my soul on fire. Viva indeed, Las fucking Vegas. The mob built you. Six to five blackjack and shitty rules made you a monster. And the beat goes on. I love you, Dad. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time. How I wish that there were more A hundred and sixty-two games of baseball a season can feel like a grind to watch, but you can put the excitement back into each and every game with my bookie. Run lines, money lines, props galore. Nobody gives you more opportunities to win than my bookie. Getting started is simple. 
Deposit $300 and play with $200 instantly. Just use promo code ZABE to claim a MyBookie deposit bonus. Whether you're a diehard fan or a newcomer to the sport, there's never been a better time to join the MyBookie family. Go ahead and sign up today using promo code ZABE to secure your first deposit bonus up to $1,000 with MyBookie. Whatever you put in, they'll meet halfway all the way up to $1,000. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with mybookie.com.